Welcome back to the dungeon, friends. This is Dan from Teachers in the Dungeon. Flying solo this week. Tom is a little under the weather, so I'm going to take on the recording duties. So apologies in advance. I know that he is by far the more dynamic speaker, but we'll do the best we can to keep you entertained and maybe a little bit informed here this week. So I guess I should have started out by inventing something like he got abducted by a mind flayer or something, but but you really got to be able to sell something like that. And I I've got to work on the, the sales aspect, I guess. But anyway, I am going to talk a little bit more about my student game that I'm running for Tom's Game Club. I'm taking some kids through uh, the Drakenheim adventure, and we were able to get a couple sessions in since I've last spoken about it, so a little bit of catching up to do there. First, just a little bit of news, something not quite so good, something that could be really good. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I... I do sort of enjoy listening to various YouTubers report on the news of the D&D world, and I like a good, <laughs> a good media train wreck as much as the next person, I guess. So I came across some, some commentary on an article that interviewed the, the writers for the new D&D movie that's coming out here at the end of the month, and one of them mentioned that, <laughs> out of context, it sounds pretty awful. They said something about they enjoyed they enjoyed emasculating the male characters, which I'm guessing in hindsight, they wish they'd chosen the words a little differently. The bigger point they were making is that in the combat scenes in the movie, it's the, the female characters that generally were on the front line, which makes sense. You've got a, a barbarian and a druid that, that fits within game lore, I think, pretty well. But I, I think if they'd left it there, that would have been perfectly fine, but they just kind of went that extra step, and I'm guessing they wish they hadn't hadn't quite put it that way, but we'll see if that has any, uh, if that blows up any further or if it just kind of dies down. But the, the cool thing I just heard, and again, I think this is just a rumor, uh, but it's, it's, I've seen it in a couple different places now that apparently Joe Manganello, I had to look up how to pronounce it, although may be writing a or, or, or getting ready to put together a Dragonlance TV series. It's, it's some again, some folks on YouTube that were watching some interviews with him and trying to read between the lines. So it may be nothing more than just wishful thinking on their part, but I thought it was sort of interesting, and that would certainly be exciting. And, and if it were in the hands of someone like that who is such a fervent supporter of D&D, I think, I think it could be a very, very exciting TV series to look out for. Anyway, that's it for news. I'm going to just jump right in here and start discussing a little bit of the adventures that my students went through in their latest uh, outing in Drakenheim. So just to kind of bring you up to speed, the, the Dungeons of Drakenheim is a third-party world and adventure or set of adventures put together by the Dungeon Dudes. They're a pretty successful YouTube channel 
where they, uh, they, they do playthroughs on Twitch and then post them to YouTube. They also do one or two videos a week on just how-to, uh, D- D&D how-tos, you know, best spells to use for various situations, best builds for characters, best and worst spells, situations, how to create a good backstory, tons of good content there. And I think I mentioned, but I think it bears repeating, when I was first jumping into D&D a few years ago and I wanted to <laughs> do it right, or at least, you know, sort of increase the learning curve, I... I, I stumbled across their channel on YouTube, and I found it very, very useful, very, very player-friendly content. They, their videos tend to be fairly short, less than a half hour, and they go over some some topics that are, as I said, I think very useful for players. But anyway, I went ahead and created characters for my my students to play. I think I'd mentioned this before, but I, I ran a D and D campaign last year for Game Club, and I thought it would be fun to let the kids actually roll up their own characters. In theory, I still believe that. In practice, it did not work out so well. We took one entire session to, to do that, which is typical, but I think the kids just really wanted to get in and play. We only had a couple of players' handbooks between us. There were four kids trying to roll characters up. It, it just kind of became a nightmare. So this year, I just went with, I, I'm, I think I created six or seven characters and let them choose. So what we have then is a, a, a party of four individuals. And yes, I know I went with every trope, every cliche, every stereotype, but you know, sometimes they're there for a reason. There's some, some basics that sometimes just work well together. So the, the characters that they chose were a half-orc barbarian, a halfling rogue, a tiefling sorcerer, and a dwarf cleric. So names of the characters, the barbarian is Imlo, the rogue is Theo, the sorcerer is B, and the cleric is Rome. Of the four players, one, one boy, three girls, the, the boy is pretty experienced with Dungeons and Dragons. One of the girls had, had some experience and the other two were pretty much brand new. So it's, it's been fun. The, the three girls came in knowing each other and very excited to play at a table together. And the boy is very easygoing. And, and fit in very well with them. So it's been fun to watch the two more experienced players sort of mentor the new ones. And they've, they've been very patient, very excited to help them. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun to watch. But anyway, so the, the story of Drakenheim is that it, this is a, a giant metropolis that's been devastated by a comet that hit. And not only did that you know, devastate a whole portion of the city when it exploded, but it also has a, a magical aspect. It's created sort of a, I would say, a magical hellscape. The, the, the magic that was released by this comet mutated and twisted all the inhabitants that actually survived. So you've got kind of a Lovecraftian body horror type of a feel going on, and it's, it's ongoing. The, the, the adventure takes place 15 years after the comet actually fell, but there's still this haze. And if you're in it too long as a, as a player character, you begin to mutate as well, which I think is a, a nice way to introduce sort of a running clock on the, on the characters. So this is what I introduced the students to. And I, I sort of 
I kind of soft pedaled the the body horror a little bit until I was sure what these kids were familiar were, were comfortable with. And so far, so good. They they have not been they've enjoyed it and they haven't been overwhelmed by anything. So the way this works is they they arrive as adventurers at a, a small town just at the edge of the haze. This town has become sort of a, a, a jumping off point for adventurers who want to go into the city looking to you know just scavenge wealth from these houses, these abandoned houses. And there are various factions in play, which become kind of interesting for the, the, the characters. They have to decide which, which group they want to work for. There's, I won't name them all, but there's, a, uh, there's, there's two competing religious groups. There is a, like a, a mages academy. There is a, an organized crime syndicate. And then there are the hooded lanterns, which are the remnant of the city guard who are still, you know, have the forlorn help, hope of taking their city back. So, these characters interacted with, with uh, the players interacted with each of these characters. And the nice thing for me as a DM is these are characters I've seen the dungeon dudes actually play in their playthrough. So I had a little bit of idea of what sort of uh, personality to give to each, uh, to, to each NPC that the characters came across. Now, obviously, I could have created whatever personality I wanted, but honestly, it was sort of nice to have that to fall back on. I really appreciated that. It was useful for me as, as a DM. My strengths aren't necessarily in creating a huge variety of personalities, so it's nice to have them there for me. So anyway, they interacted. They really had fun just doing the role play about the village, which surprised me. I, I thought they might get bored and just want to start hacking and slashing, but they they really all four of them really enjoyed the um, the, inter- the player uh, the interaction with the NPCs. So eventually, just to kind of move the story forward here a little bit, they did uh, decide to go with the Mages Academy. It's called the Amethyst Academy. They come across a representative who offers them quite a bit of gold if they will go into the edge of the city, not the city itself, but the the suburbs essentially and uh, recover a large, valuable crystal that they believe is there. This is another part of the world that the Dungeon Dudes have created. The, the magic from the comet comes from this crystal called delirium. And so when the comet shattered, it, there are crystals of it everywhere. Um, and as we'll find out later, the crystals actually grow so there's more and more of them as you go on. But anyway, they're highly toxic. If characters allow it to touch their skin, they will immediately begin to sicken and have pretty serious issues. So they have to take care when they're dealing with it. But anyway, this is a magical item that the Academy can use for various purposes. So they pay top dollar. So our group decided that sounds good. We're going to head off and get this crystal, and it's in a tavern called the Rat's Nest, <laughs> which, of course, is telegraphing what we can expect to find there. So uh, the characters journeyed in. Now, as a DM, I, I was kind of torn between making sure you know each step of the journey is exciting or just, okay, you, you walk and you get there. And <laughs> to be perfectly honest... When we started this session, I felt like we were going too fast and I was going to run out of <laughs> run out of material. 
before they uh, bef- before the hour was up or hour and a half. So I had them roll for a random encounter. Unfortunately, they rolled low enough that I generated one. So they, I, I told them that they heard voices or heard noises, I should say, uh, one street over as they were picking their way through the ruins of the suburbs. And this is what was probably what's turned in one of the funniest running bits for me as a DM to watch is the barbarian is the one that panicked and said, we need to get out of here right now. There are, there are noises. There are noises. We have to leave. And the other three characters, the other three players are just looking at this girl saying, what? Why don't we go see what it is first? It might not be bad. But it's, it's interesting. This, this girl is just very nervous by nature. And so she's, she's essentially playing herself as a barbarian, which the irony is, is pretty fun for me that the frontline player is the one that's the, uh, too scared to, to, to encounter anything. But they, they snuck over and it was just another adventuring group, a rival adventuring group. And my players actually debated for a while whether they should ambush them. <laughs> I have to admit, I was a little shocked by that. I thought, well, these aren't, these are just people like you. Why are you, <laughs> why are you, why are you behaving this aggressively? But I was also a little concerned because to be perfectly blunt, I hadn't had a chance to create stats for these folks. And I was a little worried that I was really going to have to do all this on the fly. But I sat back and I allowed them to sort of discuss and decide what they wanted to do. And in the end, the fate smiled on me, the DM. They decided they were just going to press on with their their mission. So they get to the Rat's Nest Tavern. It has been blown apart by a massive shard of the comet. So they go into this ruined building and they see a massive hole in the middle of the floor. And looking down, they can see a, a lower level that seems to have been burrowed into by creatures of some sort. So there's a natural hole from the comet, but then that's been enlarged and altered by something else. Uh, So of course our barbarian is telling them they should leave, they should leave, and the others are like, well, we have to get our, we haven't finished our mission. We need to, we need to try to find this crystal. So eventually they decide to, they they, kind of get the get the barbarian a little bit of bravery and they convince her to be okay. And they, they begin their, their journey into the, uh, down into the basement. And what they find is in the basement, then they they do, as I said, they find another tunnel that's been dug and it's pretty clear there's some sort of animal creatures that have done this, but they do see evidence that something heavy has been dragged through. So, they're, they're pretty sure that the crystal has been taken and they need to get it back. So they journey through this, they, they, they get into the tunnel, they begin moving along, and it, it gets kind of steep and slippery. And so I'm prepared to have them do dex checks as the book re, you know, suggested. And it's a pretty easy check. It was a 10 or a 12. And... The, the, the first three make it fine. And then my rogue steps up, and this is the, the experienced player. And I was thinking, well, this will just be slam dunk. They're going to get through here, no problem. And he said, oh, I'm not, no, I'm not walking down. I'm going to uh, body surf down this muddy path. <laughs> and if I'd been a new DM, 
I would have been horrified by that because there actually is something bad at the end. But I thought, no, this kid is playing his character to the hilt. This is what his risky halfling character would do. So sure enough, he slides down, body slides down, gets to the end, falls into a pit trap, and is immediately set on by uh, hordes of rats. (laughs) And they almost kill him. And for me personally, this was a callback because this episode in the Dungeon Dudes had almost the same thing happen. One of their players falls in into what's supposed to be a very easily avoidable trap and he can't get out and he almost dies. This was kind of fun to see it replayed uh, with my high school students. But they, they do eventually destroy the rats. They get the, the player out just in time to be set upon by ratlings. So ratlings are mutated rats. They have become humanoid, larger, scarier, meaner uh, as a result of the the delirium. That's the name of the crystal that came uh, from the the asteroid, the, the meteor. They have a desperate fight. And it's so interesting because, again, the barbarian player is telling the others, I told you, I told you we should have got out of here. What are we doing? But when push comes to shove, it was really exciting to see this girl who in real life is quite fearful tell me, all right, my character steps to the front, gets between the other, the, her comrades and the rats and just starts attacking. So as fearful as she was, she, had, uh, she, she cared about her fellow players and she wanted to save them, which I thought was a really nice character arc for her, I guess, is a, is a good way to put it. So it is a desperate fight. And as new players probably do quite often, they blew through their spells, uh, spell slots and their healing and all the rest of it. And we got to the end of that session and I thought, my gosh, they've taken like two steps into this entire uh, underground warren of tunnels where these ratlings are hiding in wait for them. <laughs> and they've, they're heavily damaged now. How on earth are they ever going to, to survive? So when we started the next session, that was still kind of worrying me, but I thought, well, we'll just see how it plays out. Maybe I can just place some healing potions that they conveniently find or something like that. So I just waited for them to choose which direction they wanted to go in this den, I guess, for uh, underground den with tunnels weaving this way and that infested with these rat monsters. And uh, if they had chosen one of the pathways, it, it, probably would have resulted in a TPK because they would have gone the exact wrong direction from what they needed to find and would have had to fight through multiple waves of attackers. And I don't think they could have done that. But fortunately, the D&D gods smiled upon them and they, without any help from me, chose the, the path that was the shortest. So they begin working their way through. And it is it is really funny because the the cleric has just about had it with the barbarian because the barbarian is still very fearful, still kind of telling them we should just go, we should just go. And it gets to the point where she almost begins withholding healing, which, again, probably not the best move, but understandable in the circumstances. Again, long story short, we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up here, but they, they, do, they do stumble across the crystal much earlier than I think they probably had any right to. They just happened to make the right turns. And as I said, I didn't give them any any help. They 
fair and square, they found their way there. But they did do one thing that did sort of crack me up, just the cold-bloodedness of this party. <laughs> Very sweet-tempered kids, but they they went past a couple of chambers and, you know, they they tried to do perception checks to see what were in these, these little rooms here and there. And there is a storage room, and this is in the book. This is not something I just invented. There's a storage room with some garbage and some, you know, half-eaten pieces of rotten meat and stuff. But they do notice that there is a prisoner tied up in this room. <laughs> and after some discussion, they leave that person <laughs> and just carry on with their mission. And I, I as, a, as a thinking, feeling human being, I wanted to stop him and say, what are you doing? Save that poor person. But as a DM, I thought, well, this is this will be interesting. We'll just have to see how this plays out. So they just they just left this helpless person, continued along their way, and they did find the crystal. Now, of course, it's guarded by one of the big bads in the rat nest. It's a rat mage, like a, a, a priest of the rat god. So this ratling has got quite a few spells at her disposal, but as written... Only one henchman, which is an imp that would be relatively easy to kill if they managed to hit it. So I thought, well, this might be interesting. This will be a fair enough fight because this group, there's four of them, but they're depleted. This, the fight started and last minute I thought, this is too easy. I'm going to add two more rattlings. So I do. And the, the fight continues and the dice were just not with me. These poor ratlings could not manage to hit anything. Uh, they do They do manage to get the rogue. They ventilate him pretty well. I think he drops to zero and they have to revive him. Uh, but again, it was kind of because his player was being pretty reckless, but doing it in a way that fit the character. So that was actually very cool. The battle actually, they, they just flat out win it. I, I was planning to get the mage out of there. She had Misty Step, which I think would have given her enough room to be able to maneuver and escape from them. But I waited one turn too long. She had, I think, 18 hit points left or something like that. And and remember, this is first, second, third level. They're not doing that much damage, particularly because all they have left is cantrips and things like that. But I think my my it was my rogue, the 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 rogue, he they healed him, he popped back up, he gets sneak attack, and he critted on her. And so he did like 20 points of damage with just one hit and just dropped her. And I was really kind of disappointed because I was hoping to make her sort of a recurring nemesis that she could escape. And she, I, I, I had this all, I had this speech ready of, of she was going to call down the wrath of the rat god upon them for desecrating their chambers. And then she'd disappear and they just have to wonder when she was going to come and get them. But nope, nope. They just, they just, whacked her and that was that. So all in all, I guess reflecting, I felt like I did a, a relatively good job as a DM. I was pleased with I, I think the kid I think the kids had a good time and I think I was uh, very restrained in not not forcing the story in any particular direction. I was prepared to let them make mistakes and also prepared to let them out and out win if that's, you know, if that's the way the dice went. And that's actually what did happen. So it was, as I said, I think they had a good time. They're very excited. We've only got, I think, three more sessions left in the school year. So 
we'll see how many more adventures they get through, but they're going to have to make their way back. Oh, you know what? I forgot one thing. After they got the crystal and they were heading out, they did decide to rescue <laughs> rescue the, the prisoner, who it turns out is someone they've already met. So, and again, that was not something I invented. That was kind of the way it was written into the book. It was one of the hooded lanterns, one of the soldiers, and they had spoken with her and found her to be very kind and helpful back in the village. So they felt good about rescuing her, and I think they felt a little bad about about the thought that maybe they wouldn't rescue her, but they ended up they ended up doing the right thing. So that will benefit them, I think, in the long run because that that faction will now definitely be well disposed toward them, and that'll be very helpful for them as they go forward. Okay, so gosh, it's hard to do this without someone to talk to. I, I admire podcasters who can just just talk for however much time. I need Tom here to to kind of bounce off of and collect my thoughts and let him talk for a while. There's there's nobody to do that here today. But anyway, thanks for listening. I know this is a little bit shorter than usual, but again, you only got one of us. And I'm sure that next week we will both be back talking about, uh, well, who knows? It'll be a surprise. You have that to look forward to. But as usual, we we love getting emails from you, teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Love interacting with you folks on Facebook and Instagram, Teachers in the Dungeon, and Twitter at Dungeon Teachers. Let us know what you're thinking. If you have any interesting news you want us to kind of look into and mention, any ideas for shows, just comments about anything we've talked about. We, we love hearing from you. So that is it for Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Dan, sitting in for myself and Tom. And I guess I will go ahead and, in honor of Tom, keep rolling those 20s. And we'll see you next week, folks. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.